Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Joining me in just a moment will be Jim O'Day. And we're going to dive into some important topics, everything from career to the struggle that so many people have today. And that is pornography. Let's be true. Let's be real. It's a real challenge for many people. We'll talk about how to quit looking at pornography because indeed it is possible. Also, I've been fascinated by this trend of the decline of men in the workplace. Why is this happening? I was listening to a Wall Street Journal podcast this week and there was an economist on there by the name of Dr. Eberstadt. He wrote the book Male Exiting the about men exiting the workforce. It's called Men Without Work and I was riveted by how this has been an ongoing trend over the last eight years and longer, but even more so post the last couple years with everything that's gone on with COVID. So we're going to talk about that trend. What's happening? Is it despair? Is it uh, disinterest? Is it retiring early? We'll unpack a little bit of that, as well as talking about finding your calling not your job. Isn't that an interesting topic? I was just at dinner uh, with some people and I was mentioning this topic and everyone at the table, um, not myself because I really am blessed. I do believe I found my calling first and foremost as a wife and a mother and I, secondarily as time, you know, as God calls me in this work here of evangelization. But isn't it an interesting topic? Everyone else at the table as I was talking to them. I don't know, they said, what my calling is. I have no clue. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. So find your calling, not your job. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. Integrity Restored is helping to restore sexual integrity when it comes to the brokenness of the culture, when it comes to sex, especially pornography, masturbation, all of those challenging topics that are real challenges today. Jim O'Day, again, is the executive director of Integrity Restored. He's had quite a robust career in Homeland Security, defense, sales, and is in the nonprofit world working on the security and defense of our hearts, minds, and souls in the face of serious addictions centering around sexual addiction and pornography. Jim, welcome back to Trending. Timory, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Today, I want to talk to you about real concrete steps, which I know you work day in and day out with people, of how to quit looking at pornography. And it's a bigger and bigger problem, Timory. I just want to mention a few things that are trending. Um, as as usual, we, we get the reports uh, every year about the, the previous year's trends, and the United States is still leading the world as the consumer of the most pornography. But what's interesting is there was a huge jump in, in, in this almost 
now $100 billion industry. And only 10% of the pornography viewed is paid for. Wow. So it's an almost $100 billion industry and 90% of the viewing is for free. That's crazy, those numbers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And women have jumped up to almost 40% of the traffic. Wow. And I think a lot of people don't really grasp that. And so when we talk, yes, it's our weekly gentleman's hour, but this topic of quitting pornography is relevant for everyone. 40% of the users of pornography. Can you tell me how, what percentage of women in general are looking at pornography today? So it looks like about one in three, if you, if you just extrapolate the numbers, um, and it's interesting because again, the United States is, is up there with, uh, 27, 29% of the female traffic. Uh, Australia has the most 34% of female traffic than Canada, Turkey, United States, United Kingdom, Israel. Um, it, it seems to be about one in three, but, but here's what I tell everybody. If you yourself are not struggling, you absolutely know and love someone who is. And the problem with this is it feels completely hopeless to that person. Mm-hmm. It feels like they can never imagine a world where pornography is not in their life. But it is possible. There's great hope. And at Integrity Restored, what we've found is if you take a three-pronged ap- approach to quitting pornography, It really works. The first pillar is strong scientific counseling and therapy. You know, a lot of our pornography usage and and addiction comes from other wounds. So until we start to address those other wounds, we're always going to try and self-soothe with what the brain thinks is the quick fix. So strong scientific counseling and therapy. The second is an increase in spiritual life, frequent reception of the sacraments, and spiritual direction. You know, one of the things that you'll hear a lot in the secular world is that faith has nothing to do with pornography. Well, there is a spiritual battle that is happening for our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And that spiritual battle, we can't fight that. It's not a human fight. Mm -hmm. And so we need to increase our spiritual life. The the sacraments are so important, especially uh, the sacrament of reconciliation, adoration, and, and then the spiritual direction. If you can find yourself a good spiritual director, that can be a great asset. Uh, as part of your recovery team. And then the final... I do have final... a question on this in a little bit. I want to come back to it, but let's hear this third prong approach to quitting pornography. Sure, yeah. The third pillar uh, is what we call community and accountability. That's the relationships. Here's the truth. Whatever we are struggling in in our life, whatever area of sinfulness, we can't do it alone. God built us to be community people. 
And so in order to recover, we need to surround ourselves with relationships and a community that's going to hold us accountable to that recovery. That's going to support us through the ups and downs of that recovery because nobody's recovery from pornography addiction or alcoholism or narcotics or whatever, gambling addiction, no, nobody's is a straight line, Timory. It's a lot of twists and turns, but the good news is you can get there. And we've mm -hmm. seen it with thousands and thousands of people here at Integrity and Restored. Isn't it true that pornography use is often a very isolating event that is a part of a disconnect when it comes to relationships? And so that return to a community, that need for accountability, I think is helping to heal that wound of what's happening in the heart of the pornography use to begin with. Yeah, there's, there's no question. In fact, Pillar 2, the, the spiritual life, and Pillar 3 are all about that breaking that isolation. Because as we uh, go deeper and deeper into our pornography addictions, we tend to, as human beings, isolate more and more from everything else in our life. Our in-real-life relationships, our interpersonal relationships, and our relationship with God. Because the addict absolutely believes it's a, it's a vicious cycle that they've prayed, they've asked for God to take this away, and nothing's happened, so even God can't help them. So that relationship fractures. Mm. I want to come to the religious aspect and this three-prong approach to quitting porn, which I'll quickly summarize. Number one, strong scientific therapy and counseling. Two, increase in spiritual life, frequent reception of the sacraments, going to reconciliation, receiving communion, going to adoration, and then finding a spiritual director. And then third is accountability, those relationships and community to support you through that growth, that transition, and that detox from porn. With regard to the spiritual dimension, Jim, uh, one of the challenges I've found many people of faith experience with a pornography addiction is that sometimes they take it to the confessional. They confess the sin or they talk to a priest about it. And the priest tells them there's nothing wrong with looking at pornography. <laughs> um, I've heard things like this. I've also heard people, you know, who have gone to confession who have said, you know, they engaged in intimacy outside of marriage. And the person says, well, are you married? And the person says, no. And they said, well, is the person you were with married? And the person says, no. Well, then you didn't, you know violate the sixth commandment and it's like oh hand and face um it, there's brokenness even amongst our priests sometimes that leads to uh improper uh formation and counseling at times and so i know a lot of people have at times been turned away from this dimension what are your uh, thoughts there 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 is, yeah there is no question which is why we at integrity restored developed something called our clergy training intensive. We're actually holding one uh, in um, October 3rd to 5th, just outside Philadelphia. And, and it's a, it's a three day intensive training because there's a couple of things going on. Seminaries, this is not part of the curriculum. So when our priests are being trained to be a priest, they're not really learning about this. Mm. And then they're stuck in the confessional and, and you have kind of three different types of priests in the confessional. You have the priest, like you mentioned, that says, well, that's not really that much of a big deal. You know, you didn't kill anybody. 
And then you have the priests that say, oh, I understand that, that that's a sin. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for confessing it. But just say three Hail Marys and don't do it again. That doesn't work either. And then you have the third type of priest, and that's the priest that has somehow uh, gotten some formation in this area to really understand sexual addiction, pornography addiction. And they'll give really solid advice in the confessional, like, you know, here's your penance, but if you want to get beyond this, call my office. I'm happy to recommend a therapist. Or I'd love to, uh, if you're open, see you for a broader discussion on why this is such a big part of your life. Or here's a, a local uh, group that I know you can go to. Those priests are few and far between um, because they just haven't had the training. But that's what we need. This is so prevalent today in our society, in our church, that we've got to... So I ask everybody who's listening right now, please pray for this event that we are holding, that you know we get um, every priest there who wants to be there. And so far, we've gotten 250 priests trained throughout the U.S. Um, Fantastic. But that's a drop in the bucket. How sad, right? Absolutely. That's Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored, talking about quitting a pornography addiction and the important need to train our priests and making sure they know how to help in guiding uh, through the brokenness of a pornography addiction. Again, that uh, priest training is coming up. If you can send me a link, we'll post on social media, Jim, as well as in the podcast notes and pray for our clergy uh, with this Will training do. coming up. Um, but Jim, as you talk about this three-prong approach to quitting pornography, I think that sometimes it's easy for someone to want to leave out one dimension. You know, they might want to leave out the therapy and the counseling because for many people, the idea of counseling or therapy has a stigma. I think especially for people, um, it's interesting. I hear a lot of people in the millennial generation down who everyone's like, I go to therapy. I go to therapy. They're fine with sharing it publicly. But I think as you get into the other generations, it's a stigma. It's not something that uh, is easily shared in that same way. And so someone might want to do away with that strong scientific therapy and counseling. Why is it so necessary? Could you drill down on that just a little bit more? Oh, absolutely, Timory. So, so what happens with um, a pornography addiction? In most cases, uh, pornography addiction is rooted in some other wound or trauma that we are trying to self-soothe trying to make ourselves feel better about. You know, at, at Integrity Restored, we talk about the blasted effect, B-L-A-S-T-D. Bored, lonely, anxious, stressed, tired, and depressed. Those are the biggest triggers in most people's life for pornography usage. And those are the times when they're trying to uh, resist that they fall most often. Here's the problem. As human beings, we're going to be one of those things many, many times. Sometimes many times a day, many times a week. And so if we haven't got to the root of that wound, that trauma, um, it's going to be really hard to have the toolbox of of things to, to fight that temptation. Your brain tells you it's so much easier to give in 
just give me that hit of dopamine and all will be better. What the brain doesn't tell you is that, yes, pornography and masturbation will do that. But the crash will be even worse. Mm. And then you get into increased depression, increased isolation, anger, dissatisfaction with life, um, dissatisfaction with your family, your wife, your job. Nothing makes you happy anymore because you're in this constant state of dopamine crash. Mm. And so that's why it's so important to speak to a professional. Um, the other thing I would I would like to offer uh, is that, that we created a really nice kickstart program, Timory. It's called the Integrity Circle Coaching Program. And if your listeners go to integritycirclecoaching.com, uh, they'll find a program that gives them 26 weeks of material or 26 sessions. They can do it as fast as they want. 26 sessions of material about 20 minutes teaching on a topic based on one of the pillars. So either the science, the spirituality, or the relationship aspects. 20 minutes of a teaching, 20 minutes of a Q&A, and then a quick little three to five question assessment. And so many individuals and couples doing it together have told us that that was the thing they needed to do to kickstart their recovery because then they could understand why each of those three pillars was so important. Excellent. So we posted a link to that Integrity Circle coaching program on social media if you want to check that out. It's a way to kickstart quitting pornography and stepping into this three-prong approach that is, uh, is successful and scientifically proven to help Get rid of a pornography addiction. Take back your life, whether for you or a loved one. So check out integrityrestored.com. That's integrityrestored.com. Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored, is with us. We're going to talk about a couple more topics today, including finding your calling, not your job, and the decline of men in the workplace. I'll be right back here on Trending with Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Joining me now during our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending is Jim O'Day. He's the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. If you missed it, we just talked about a three-prong approach that's successful and effective at quitting pornography. So be sure to go and catch the podcast relevantradio.com or the Relevant Radio app and text the link to a friend, someone you know who might be looking or struggling with pornography. You might be a little nervous to send it to them, but if you're close enough, say, hey, I know this is something that a lot of men and women struggle with, and I thought I would just pass it along as a resource for you to share as well. Leave it at that. They don't even have to comment. Isn't that great? You can just heart text today. Sometimes it makes like, communication so much easier at times when awkward things like that are sent to us. But now I'd like to dive into the topic of jobs and the workplace, especially for men today. We're going to talk about The Decline of Men in the Workplace. A fascinating book came out six years ago, and we'll talk about uh, how we've seen this uh, men in general, men from the age of 25 to 55, that prime group of 
working men have been leaving the workforce and not pursuing a job. Why? What's going on? We'll talk about that. But before we do, I think even more poignant is this topic of finding your calling, not your job. Jim, can you start by helping us to understand the difference between a calling and a job? First, Jamie is a great name for a baby girl after her big Uncle Jim. It's perfect, Timory. Why didn't you think of that? (laughs) Jamie Jaja has a great ring to it. Well, duly noted. I'll be sure to share that one with Gabe. He'll probably like the ring there. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. Yeah, Gabe will like that. Um, So... I think it's interesting, and this is a this is a conversation, Timory, that I've had with friends, uh, family members, people calling into Integrity Restored. Is this this dissatisfaction uh, that that people have with their job, and or their career path, their choices, and the, and they don't know what to do. And, and there's a really cool concept. I, I actually sent you an email of a chart um, from, from the Japanese. It's called Ikigai. And, and what it means is, is like finding your balance, finding your place. And I think that's what we sometimes miss. I have a lot of young guys that I speak to that call us at Integrity Restored for help uh, with pornography. But inevitably... Uh, the, the conversation goes back to, well, what do I do about, you know, what I'm doing for a living? And it's, it's dissatisfying, but I make good money. And I, well, here's the thing. If like for you and I, you're lucky enough to have your calling and your job line up, that's a blessing. That's incredible. But it doesn't have to be that way to find your happiness. You can find your calling and do that as a volunteer. You can find your calling and do that as a side hustle. Um, The four components of Ikigai are passion, profession, mission, and vocation. And when you are working in each of those four areas, passion, doing what you love, profession, doing what you are good at, mission, doing something that the world needs, and vocation, doing what you can be paid for. Well, when you're working or engaged in all four of those areas of life, then you're in the sweet spot. And so the thing to remember is that we can all do that, whether it's our full-time job or not. The job is only one quarter of the overall uh, pie. Right. So let me push back on you here on this, because I am interested uh, to see, I think, a challenge in the culture right now where there are many people who are studying things at university that are completely unapplicable to any job, real life job. Um, There are many 
passions that people are following today that they want to turn into their career or even missions that they're passionate about but aren't realistic to provide a means or an income uh, to thrive or just uh, kind of succeed or live um, as a family. So where does that fit in to this whole concept of finding a reason for being with following passion, mission, profession, and vocation all at once? And that is a great question. And what ends up happening, in my opinion, uh, particularly in today's culture, we end up out of balance because somehow we believe the lie that we'll just do what you love. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I almost said a bad word. Uh, I love... Um, rock music, but I can't sing to save my life. If I ever tried to support my family doing that, we'd be in really big trouble. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I still can't love rock music. And so I think we get out of whack in our expectations. Um, I just had a conversation uh, just a couple weeks ago with, with a young guy. Uh, he's an engineer very successful, um, wonderful life for his family. Kids are, are in Catholic school, doing great. Everybody's happy. And he wants to give it all up. Why? To, to follow his dream of being a missionary in the jungles of, of South America. <laughs> I asked him a very simple question. Do you speak Spanish? <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head. That's fantastic. <laughs> he does not speak Spanish. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding? Like, I get that you're passionate about reaching those people. Wonderful. There's organizations you can get. And this is exactly what I told him. There's organizations here in the U.S. that you can get involved with and support and help their good work, and you're still a part of it. But quitting your job, uprooting your family, moving into the jungle in South America does not seem like a prudent answer, and it certainly doesn't seem like something I believe God would be calling you to do right now. Right. Right. My husband and I were just talking about this the other day. There is a beautiful organization that we both love that has a job opening right now. And he was looking at the job opening and he's like, oh, should I apply for it? And I said, I love your desire to serve. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But you and I both know that it's not realistic for our family. Uh, and he knew, but it was one of those moments where, wow, you know, I love this ministry. I could do this job and I could do it really well, but is it something that could support, feed, or function family? Absolutely not. But there's still that tug and that's okay to have that tug and that desire. But sometimes this is where I think our desire, we confuse with taking our passion, our mission, our profession, vocation, and bringing it all together uh, to function, to provide a means for your family. Oh, I agree. I agree with you completely. And you know, we're going to work, I don't know, 800,000 hours in our life, some huge number like that. Um, so you really shouldn't absolutely hate your job. That's a bad place to be. 
But your job doesn't define who you are as a human being, right? I, in my corporate experience, so much of who I was, Timory, unfortunately, as a man was, you know, I was the vice president of sales. I was the, the vice president of marketing. I was the president of the company. I, that didn't actually, it doesn't mean anything. Hmm. Our job is just what we do to be protect as men, this is gentlemen's hour, as protectors and providers for our family. We can be passionate about many other things, uh, surfing, whatever, that's something you love, great, do it. Um, for me, it's the martial arts. We can have mission. Even when I was in the, the corporate world, one of my things that I loved, one of my passions was men's ministry. So I helped start men's conferences wherever I was living. And then your vocation. Well, we have to understand that our vocation is bigger than just what we get paid for. Our vo vocation can be uh, as, as coaches, as mentors, as husbands, as fathers. It's all part of it. And when, when we let one area get too out of balance, I think is when we, when we run into trouble. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, I think the question many people might have is how do you find that balance of keeping your desire, reality, and need all in check while still using the gifts God's given you to find what you're saying, you're calling and not just a job, but also to be satisfied and okay with this is a job and not over uh, emphasizing your worth based on it. Yes, yes. Well, and here's another big lie that I think we're told. I think we're told that there's something called work-life balance. Hey, I was just talking about that the other day. It's an important thing, Jim. I, I, I know you are. I know you are. But here's where I believe the lie is. The lie is in we think that we can balance everything. You can't. You know what? There's going to be times when your work is really, really consuming because you're on a deadline or whatever. And so your passion, your fun, your hobbies, they take the back seat. Or there's going to be times where you are just slammed because you got involved in this mission and you love it. And there's a big event coming up and you promise to help and you're going to help. Well, so the balance is going to be shifting all the time. Mm. What we have to be looking for is, is a balance in our thinking, in our approach to our life. Mm -hmm. that's the balance we're looking because different things will tug and pull it's like the whole idea of people say oh marriage is 50 50 that's impossible doesn't exist that's a farce anyone who thinks that if, but if the same marriage thing, is not 100 100 right. it doesn't work right oh, but then you look at your career that work-life balance i like what you're saying because the reality is, is that different things are going to pull you there are seasons i especially seen with my husband's job where workload's a little nicer. He can get home at a more decent time. And then all of a sudden there's a week or two where it's not fun necessarily, you know, and the time frame is not the best or stress is higher, stress is lower. Uh, those things change. But like you said, the only thing you can really control is your mindset and how you balance it. Not that it's perfectly balanced. No, that is correct. It's really about how we approach it. And, and that's why I love this, this kind of... Um, 
quadrant approach to finding that sweet spot in our life. Because even there, if you could visualize uh, each slice of the pie, at some seasons of our life, one slice of the pie is going to be a little bigger. Just because practically that's what's going on. But that doesn't mean the other ones have to go away. Mm-hmm. And that you can't have, you know, side things. You know, I danced. I love to dance. I could have danced professionally, but in the end I didn't. You know, that's the whole thing where you have a calling, you have a vocation, a mission. All of these pieces have to fit together with the practicality and what God has created you to do. And arguably someone could say, oh, wow, well, you had this gift of dancing and you gave it up or you're no longer using it in the same way. Yes. And one might think, well, am I wasting away a talent that God had? Absolutely not. I look at the way even for me, dance has formed me to do what I do today, to have the discipline, Mm -hmm. the work ethic, you know, to have, you know, stay healthy and fit. There's so many things that you can dive into if we don't get distracted by taking our gifts and trying to make that necessarily the means of how we make money per se there's so many i think caveats and that's where our faith and discernment are such an important part of finding your calling in the midst of everything that we're doing in the pursuit of a job no absolutely there's a there's there's a cool um program out there i'm actually interviewing the executive director tomorrow uh, called realizeyourcalling.org. And what they do is they go into parishes and dioceses and, and do a simple online analysis of, of all the people. And it helps you identify your gifts so that you can use those gifts then in support of the church. But here's the interesting thing. Never, never do they say, well, quit your job to go do that. That's not necessarily, that gift of dance for you can turn into so many different things. It has impacted your life already. It's totally impacted your work ethic. There's no question whether you're an athlete, a dancer, or anything like that. You have a tremendous work ethic. But now you're going to have two baby girls. And who knows how you introduce them to the joy of dance. Right. And they may like it, they may not. Mm-hmm. But you're able to introduce them to it because of your incredible experience. Jim, we have a and call so on the line we... from Don sure. in Los Angeles, uh, giving some thoughts on the topic of framing uh, work and vocation. Don, welcome to Trending. What's your comment or question for Jim today? Hey there, Jim uh, and Timory. Love the show. And uh, I think this, this topic is such a great topic. I think it could be very confusing for a lot of a lot of men um, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And, and in my experience, I've been in, you know, marketing, sales, uh, worked for large companies, small. And for the, uh, for the Catholic man who takes his faith seriously, takes his famous family seriously, I think he has to accept the fact that there are just, bottom line, there's opportunity costs for every decision. And I think a three-step framework to me to simplify it makes it really um, – concrete number one you put your faith first you put your family second after your uh uh, after your faith and then and then um and then work right and then your time basically is always reflected around that and that sometimes sometimes your profession is based on the season of life so maybe entrepreneurship you're excited about it you're excited about a uh you know building a 
a dance company, right? But it's not the right season of life. Uh, maybe working for a large company might be at that moment because you got to provide. So I think getting super, I guess the, the overall point is, um, you know, I think there's an opportunity cost for everything. Mm-hmm. I think that three-step framework and priority is important. And I think th- uh, thinking through those those um, the the roles within the family, which you always talk about, Timory, on you know other topics, you have to get that stuff down first, and and then right. the career the career follows that. So I just wanted to offer that um, yeah. you know sense of perspective. Basically. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jim. What are your thoughts on that? That framework of you know to contextualize things. Every career, as he said, will have an opportunity cost. And you have to put faith first, then family and work. I think, Don, that's that's awesome advice. Um, I mean, when when we do that, it kind of starts to make our decision make, making a little easier. Um, if we put God first, then our wife, then our kids, then our career, everything's in its proper place. And so when you start to make decisions based upon that hierarchy, um, number one, I think you make better decisions. And number two, I think it's easier to make decisions. But remembering, like you said, Don, everything for a season. Mm. You know, if now is not the time for you to start that um, dance company because you couldn't afford to take care of your family, well, don't let go of the dream. Do the work today to make that possible tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. And that's the other thing about, I'm sorry, about job and and calling. Jim, we have a call from Bruce in Arlington, Virginia. He said, here's an interesting question. Bruce, what's your question? Hi, Timory. I do some counseling myself with young people and, Especially the young ladies, I always ask them what, if you can only have one choice, a successful marriage or a successful job, which one would you choose? And that gives them pause. And I want both. I said, well, what would be more important to you? And they always choose marriage. And I think that's important uh, vis-a-vis careers for ladies who are married to keep that in perspective. Mm. And a happy marriage trumps a happy, quote, job. Uh, that is a happy life. And I think that is something that young people don't think about so much. They think about their career, quote, unquote, I, where, where true happiness is certainly, I can't give you what a, a happy marriage can, the, the meaning and mm-hmm. fulfillment. Bruce, I think that's a keen insight, especially for women. And I know people argue that sexist, but it's true. What's more important, a successful marriage or a successful job? And the reality is, is that women are atrophying today, being pulled in every direction because they're trying to have both. And as women, as our vocation and gifts, it's just not possible. But Jim, quickly, I would like your thought or two in applying this thought toward men. Do you think that's a question that men should be asking? What would you rather have, a successful marriage or a successful job? I think that is an absolute question that that men should ask. And I'll just share a personal story. I won't tell you the company, uh, but I got offered a really big job a number of years ago, really big, kind of life-changing type of job. 
And I was interviewing with the executive vice president and we became pretty friendly. And he said to me, Jim, here, they were offering me the job. And he took me out to lunch and he said, look, before we go too far down this path, I just want to tell you something. Everybody that comes to work for this company, almost 100% of the men get divorced. Wow. For a lot of reasons. We have a lot of money. We play really hard. We have a lot of young women who work in this company that know if you hook into an executive, you're going to have a lot of fun. Hmm. Are you okay with that? I turned down the job. Good for you. Good man. Now, he was brave to say it. Yeah. But that's the thing that guys have to say. Is my career more important than my marriage? Well, if you're answering yes, then there's a whole lot of other conversations that have to happen. Right. And I've talked to so many people of late who they're talking about the career uh, choices that they're making, especially I would say more so women. Maybe women are a little more aware of this and how certain cultures they are in uh, in terms of a work environment or a job choice is not an area that you would want to associate with or make friendships uh, with because it's detrimental to relationships and your future in a marriage. And I think that's something keen to keep in mind and have the strength to protect yourself, your marriage, and a future marriage with those thoughts in mind. That's Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. We'll be right back here on Trending talking about the decline of men in the workplace and men without work. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Joining us now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. You can find IntegrityRestored.com, IntegrityRestored.com, especially to find that approach of how to quit looking at pornography. We posted links and talked about that earlier on the show. And in fact, we actually had a question come in from Joseph from Wisconsin on the topic of pornography. Joseph, welcome to Trending. What's your question or comment for Jim today? Well, my comment is I like to listen to public radio, and well, 10 years ago, NPR had a retired FBI man on, and he said before the Internet, we just about had hard pornography wiped out in this country. Uh, we made sure that there were very few places selling it, and these places would be in out-of-the-way locations, crumbling old buildings, and frankly... All the stuff on the Internet, it scares me with young people because it's, it's more or less they get in trouble with, out of curiosity, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that FBI agent was right. If I wanted a, a paper copy of Playboy right now, I think I'd have to drive 75 miles. Interesting. Yeah, you know, Joseph, it's a keen insight. You know, Jim, what are your thoughts on that fact that you know, people argue that without the Internet, we wouldn't have pornography the way we do today? Oh, there's no question. It's the absolute truth. That FBI agent was absolutely right. Um, the the explosion of the Internet fueled uh, the explosive rates of pornography addiction. And your caller was absolutely right as well to be concerned for our kids. The average age of first exposure in the United States to hardcore violent pornography is now eight, nine, or ten, depending on what study you cite. Mm-hmm. 
but certainly way too young. And he was also right that kids are curious and their curiosity does get them into trouble. The fastest growing um, child sexual abuse is now child on child sexual abuse. And that's as reported oh. by emergency rooms across the country mm. because they're seeing stuff and then they're copying it. Mm. And, and, and it's all because of the advent of the internet and we as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and coaches and friends and neighbors need to be really paying attention and helping families protect their children from this scourge. Amen. Amen. We have a responsibility to help protect children from the dangers of the internet, the great tool, but the true dangers. That's where I propose programs such as integritystore.com, getting that filtration software, a covenant eyes to help uh, put blockers on devices from looking at pornography, but also screenstrong.com. Again, screenstrong.com. Melanie Hempy is a good friend here of Relevant Radio who we have on regularly. And what I would say is check that out because it's a way to help detox from your home, uh, the use of phones in media that is putting your children at risk. And we can't be naive. Like Jim said, the early exposure is happening at eight years old. That's the norm today. Jim, in our last minutes today together, I'd like to talk about this idea of men without work and the decline of men in the workplace. I was listening to a podcast from the Wall Street Journal interviewing Dr. Eberstadt, who wrote the book Men Without Work about six years ago. It's about to be republished and renewed with all of the updated data talking about how essentially we have a growing number of men in the ages of 25 to 55, our prime working age, that aren't working. I even heard economist Dr. Eberstadt cite a statistic so high that in many cases, there for every one prime age man working, there are four who are not. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I listened to and then read the transcript of that uh, when you sent it to me, and I was shocked, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, how frightening for us as a society, as a country, that, that you know, just to, statistically speaking, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. But then when you think of the individuals, these guys are at home, nothing but screen time. You know they're probably all addicted to pornography. Um, the opioid crisis is growing like crazy in this country and many of these guys according to that study uh, were using pain relieving drugs yes and there's just (laughs) excuse me somehow a sense of despair uh, that's permeating this this huge swath of our society this this group of men that we used to be able to rely on that demographic for for doing the hard work and building the economy and and growing their families and well now they're just stuck like hermits in a dark hole and Mm. it was very frightening to me timory it's frightening it was alarming to me again four men in ages between 25 and 55 who are not working and not pursuing work for every one prime prime age men in that age range, a glimmer of hope, you know, how do we change it 
This is why we need faith, right? This is why we need that challenge, that higher calling. You know, St. Paul's words, if people will not work, they should not eat. You know, the fact that a lot of these people are sitting in front of screens or what the statistics say when they report, you know, what are you doing? I'm in front of a screen. We need to take back this culture of addiction and despair for God. It's a topic we'll have to unpack more here on Trending, but I did think it was worth mentioning uh, to just start opening our eyes to those challenges circling around the topic of work and the challenges facing families today, but the hope that is present in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's been Jim O'Day from Integrity Restored. Find them at integritystored.com. Again, integritystored.com.